The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and joining me on the podcast today, I mentioned their show, their podcast a few weeks ago on this show and I thought, you know what, like a few listeners went over and had a listen. I thought, well, my, what, maybe I should just get them on this show to be guest Charlies. I'm going to have to explain that to them. So I do this other <laughs> podcast with a guy called Charlie and then he was on Home and Away and they didn't let him do the podcast because they didn't think it was appropriate to be on Home and Away and doing a podcast like our podcast. Uh, I was on the ABC <laughs> at the same time. The ABC didn't seem to care about what I was doing, but apparently Home and Away have higher standards. And so now... We have this podcast where I have guest Charlies on, and my guest Charlies today are from the Big Natural Talents podcast. Please welcome guest Charlie Conchetta and guest Charlie Lauren to the show. Hello. Thank you, Will. It's amazing that your podcast is based in gossip, which is what our podcast is all about. I love this, by the way. So tell people, for people who haven't heard your show, describe to me... If someone comes up and says, so I've heard you've got an internet radio show. I don't, what's a, firstly, what's a podcast? An old man comes up to you and says, what's a podcast? What time's it on? I would um, pepper spray him and kick him to the ground and I'd say, you don't talk to me, sir. But then after that, if he explained himself that maybe he was in the media, I would say um, that we're two comedians and we're really best friends and we're talking and we're having fun, but we're also talking a lot about gossip. And that's not necessarily celebrity gossip, is it, Conchetta? No, 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 no. I'm riveted by anything anyone tells me ever about their entire life. And so we just realized that, like, everyone has gossip. Like, like anytime you hear a story of someone being like, yeah, this teacher, like, slept with this student and now they're in jail. Or, like, this person, like, shat the bed. You can't help. doesn't matter who they are. You're like, this is the most interesting thing I've heard in yep. the day. So we've just now amassed this, like, in amongst talking about our own lives, we um, get lots of listener gossip and they send in the worst, craziest stories from their lives and other things that they've heard from other people. And so that's kind of the vibe. I think that's the mistake that true crime podcasts make because I think part of the appeal of true crime podcasts isn't that people love hearing about murders. I think it's about that, like, true crime is extreme gossip. Mm. But I don't, yes. need the, I don't need the crimes to be that big, you know. I'm happy to hear, <laughs> like, an eight-part story about, like, someone who just, like, you know, slept with yeah. their dad who was a priest or something. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Just explore yeah. that. It's like the craziest <laughs> things you'll ever hear are about normal people doing this weird stuff. Mm. And it doesn't matter that you don't know them and it doesn't matter that they're not celebrities. If someone is still, yeah. like... You know, that was one that our producer told on the podcast the other week. Um, Someone from their high school got together, like a student married one of the teachers six months after they graduated and they took their wedding photos at the school. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, but like that is more important than Benefer. The Kardashians, that is (laughs) iconic and we need to hear it. I mean, it is though, isn't it? I mean, just the sheer chutzpah. (laughs) 
to be able to like return to the scene of the crime and go not only are we going to go back there like i i can imagine maybe like night before the wedding i know you know let's go back to where we first met your school where i was a teacher and maybe have some like illicit love affair in the playground on the swings or something but the idea of actually taking your wedding photos there is amazing the photo shoot it's just like you couldn't write that you couldn't i would never even think Mm. of that amazing and to know that people are like living out my fantasy like i told lauren that growing up I was famous in the school for being in love with the French teacher dreamed about that man putting his hands all over my body obviously nothing happened but to know that all the other people in the world they're they're making things happen for better for worse and it's like well all right I'll just hear through everyone else's um, lived experiences I have to be careful with this one but I know a and I won't even identify if it's a man or a woman because it would be terrible for this person if like people found out about this but um, not not that it is a crime or anything like mm. no, but more just that this is something they've managed to keep secret for all their life. And at one stage, they were a household name Australian sporting Oof. identity, right? Oh okay. my god! You know, and so they told me this. Yes, in confidence, so I won't give away too, too many we details. We keep it a non. We had, keep it respectful. But they yeah. had an affair with their high school teacher. <gasps> like, yeah, that Whoa! was their. Yeah. It just. That is it, amazing. Oh. I don't even need to know who yeah. that has nourished me for the rest of the a day. Sports star. I wonder if it was like a coach or a. I don't know. I love that. <laughs> or a Do player. you have any? That's enough. No. I can't give you anything yeah, else. Yeah. Other no, than that's that. it. That's all we need. Give it. Give <laughs> us an inch, and we'll run on that for a while. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at an inch. We won't even take a mile that's from enough. here. We'll keep it at the inch. <laughs> It is quite exciting, though, isn't it? And so what is the, you, the, do you think the function of, I know this is a bit more intellectual question around it, but but what is the function of gossip, do you think, in our society? And why is gossip appealing to you? And why do you feel like it's something that is so compelling? Wow. <laughs> Lauren, can I take it away from? <laughs> so I always bring up this movie to Lauren that she's never seen. No one's ever what seen it? it. It's an incredible Academy Award winning film called Doubt. It is and about. People have seen like, Doubt. The, like, it's quite a big yeah. film. <laughs> That's true. But some people haven't. My boyfriend hadn't. And so there's this scene in Doubt, which is all about like the clergy and kids and it's a stellar cast. We've got Meryl Streep. You've got to watch it if you haven't heard it. And if you haven't, like you're living under a rock. Um, and there's a scene that I always tell Lauren about where this like priest. By, by the way, I love that in that one sentence, it went from being some obscure <laughs> film that no one's ever seen to, if you haven't seen it, you've yeah. been living under a rock. So that was a, a real like quick it's journey. Starring Meryl Streep, like it's not, no one, yeah. people have heard of it. It's got, what's his name that we love? Oh, Philip Philip Seymour Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman. rest in peace. Our king. Rest in peace. (laughs) Our king, absolutely. And so he plays this priest and he says this speech about gossip and he's like against gossip. And he like makes this old woman who's been gossiping cut up a pillow and a feather filled pillow and throw it into the world. And then he's like, go pick up every piece of feather and then she's like but i can't sir because it's like irish or something she's like oh god but i can't there's thousands of little feathers everywhere and then he's like and that is gossip and so i always think about the like the dark side of gossip which is like you can literally ruin lives but i think at the same time that's why it's so fun not to know who because you don't ruin anyone's lives and you get to enjoy 
like the height of humanity of like people's best and worst moments and kind of like live through them and just like yeah I don't know maybe it's like a fun distraction from your own boring life I mean, ironically, the idea that like some woman went down to the priest and he made a cut up her pillow <laughs> would be a great piece of gossip. Yeah. If I heard that, you're never going to believe it. Mary yeah. went down and he, he said, bring a pillow. She didn't yeah. know why. Yeah. He had a pair of scissors. Um, yeah, I think that's like the dark side of gossip is that like the funny thing about gossip is like it's secrets, but actually everyone knows it. And then it's also, I think, like maybe what you said before, like living vicariously through other people's experiences, especially right now, like with the lockdown, I've been saying to Conchetta every week, I'm like, I don't even know what I did this week. I haven't thought a single thought this week. I'm just Mm. like walking along, listening to a podcast (laughs) day in, day out. Like we don't have that kind of excitement happening right now in our life. So it's fun to be able to kind of jump into the shoes of a someone else who's done something fucked up um a few years ago but also i think like we we had like in one of our earlier episodes we had a lot of stories about people like shitting themselves and stuff like that um and that i think gives people comfort in knowing that they're not alone and when i say people i mean conchetta conchetta i'm the shit spokeswoman and it's because i believe that i myself have shat in the street as an accident it wasn't on purpose but it had to happen and also i just like that these things unify people and you feel less alone and that's why i'm angered by lauren my best friend never knowing what it's like to shit when you don't want to and the same with my boyfriend and i hope one day it falls on them because then they're in the group. Everyone gets it. And you you just have these moments in life that you'll like never forget. It's just like why you do comedy. You like take the worst thing and then you laugh about it. That's a gift. Yeah. So this for those who haven't listened to the show, when you say it's about gossip, this is what I love about it. This is why I, I have really responded to it because – it's, there's no sense of real judgment. I mean, there's comedic judgment, of course, mm. like, you know, for funsies. But, <laughs> but in a general sense, I really do think that it is a story. When you hear these stories about other people's lives being broken, it just reminds us and comforts us. Because, like, I think we've all just realised how broken our individual lives are during this period because we have nothing but time to sit around and examine the situations we've got ourselves into well, and whether they're good or bad. Absolutely. I mean, Lauren and I both come from broken homes. We're broken home sisters. We know what it's like, the ins and outs of just like not everything going the way it's supposed to and just like, and maybe we can't relate to every little thing that happens to different people, but I don't know. You're just, the more you hear, the more your mind is open to the things that are happening every day in mm. life is mental. <laughs> Um, but not to me and Lauren in lockdown. We're quite Very boring. boring right now. But other people have long histories of crazy <laughs> shit happening. <laughs> um, how has lockdown been? So you're both Sydney based and Sydney obviously is in the middle of a, mm. uh, when we're recording this is in the middle of a pretty big lockdown. And uh, based on today's numbers, Oof. looks like it's going to be in a lockdown for a fair while longer. <laughs> so what is the lockdown situation for you both? It's um, it's pretty bad. Uh, no, we're, we're both okay and we're both in good living situations. We both just live with our long-term boyfriends, um, like individually, not all four of us in a house, as much as <laughs> me and Conchetta would ideally love that situation. How would the boyfriends get along together? If like, so say this... <laughs> Say some, like, you know, say some, there's this some executive listening to your podcast at the moment. Mm. And it's just like, you know what? I like this. 
I want to put this on TV, but we're yes. in COVID times oh. and we need to do something oh, that is like a lockdown situation. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's like a secret life of us meets Big Brother wow. meets some sort of social experiment where they put the four of you in the same house. How does that work out? Run me through like what you think that looks like. Well, I think the boys would immediately swap. Um, just, just for fun. <laughs> uh, I yeah. don't know. I think the girls, it would be girls v boys. It would be, but it would also be like, it would be very much like me and Conchetta being like the antagonists of these like long suffering <laughs> kind men who, who were not very outspoken and who just put up with us. Like Conchetta's boyfriend, Ben is, is a stand up comedian as well. Ben Caution. Um, but he's also just like a chill guy who, you yeah. know, loves to exercise and eat salmon. And he's like, as yeah. simple of a man as it gets, but not in like he's like dumb or anything. He's just like, <laughs> it, it, I always say this. I always think about this. If I'm quiet or something and you ask me what's going on, there's like 10 different feelings and emotions that I haven't talked about. I ask Ben what's going on. And if he's like, I'm tired, he's tired. If he's hungry, he's hungry. It's so simple with this man. And for me, I'm like, yeah. why haven't you asked me about the 10 things I haven't said yet? And so <laughs> that's that's what we've got going on. I don't know about Lauren and Alex, if it's to the same extent. Yeah. If I'm tired. Tired, I'm mad. If I'm quiet, I'm angry. <laughs> if I'm hungry, I'm furious. Um, it's all happening. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it would be all right, but it would be um, definitely to the detriment of, of Ben and Alex's quality of life, I would say. <laughs> okay, so imagine then we're like dividing the household chores like whose uh, who's strengths are what? Like who's doing what in the I house? I know. Lauren <laughs> is the chef of the house. Mm. I'm cooking. Lauren's always cooking. And I know that Alex is the cleaner. And then Ben, surprisingly, is the cook. But what he cooks is like um, the same. So it's like we'd, we'd be having just chicken and roasted vegetables. If, that's, if Ben's on chef duty, that's what he's cooking. Me, I'm a bit more laissez-faire. I'll sort of clean. Maybe I'll cook. Maybe if, if the mood strikes. <laughs> I'm sitting on a couch. My feet are up. Everyone's shouting at me. But then I will come and help for either duty. I can make a pasta or I can clean up. Um, but that's how I would say the roles would go. Yeah, you're kind of freelancing around <laughs> on a rotating basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a television show called Top Chef that I love. It's a reality yeah. cooking show. And they have like a famous episode that they have every season is a thing called Restaurant Wars. So when it gets down to sort of four aside, they have two teams and they have to do everything in a restaurant again. Whoa. And basically somebody has to run the front of house that's always the big (laughs) point of contention is like because if shit's going to go wrong it's going to be the person out the front like you know dealing with it and of course they're all cooks they don't want to be out the front they want to be in the kitchen like look cooking the meals but that's you that is so me top chef team you're like okay conchetta's front of house you can just like Um, be out there talking to people absolutely my whole life is front of house back of house is a mess but front of house i'm on top i'm on top of it hey can i ask you a question is that legal in this podcast i've just thought of one that i would love to ask you will 100 percent it is uh both legal and acceptable Okay. Is it Will Eagle? <laughs> it is, yeah, sorry. It is trademark Will Eagle. Okay, here's my question, and I think, Lauren, you'll be interested in this too. Will, if you had to be gun to your head on any reality TV show, we're talking like Survivor, 
Big Brother, the one where you like travel, Amazing Race, um, help me out, Lauren. What are some others? Um, 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 Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> no, <laughs> <if> <laughs> the Bachelor. Yeah, like if you had to be on a reality show, which do you think would suit you or you would be most keen to do? Yeah. Celebrity on an island or whatever, you qualify for that. Like if you had mm. to do it, which do you think you'd lean to? I always find this question very interesting. I, okay, so I'm glad you asked me because it gives me an opportunity to explore this idea that, yes, I get pitched <laughs> stuff. There'd be a bunch mm. that I could tell you that I've actually been asked wow. to do. Wow, yeah. Um, I am never going to do a reality show. <laughs> like I've made... <laughs> I have made my friends promise me that if I get to that point in my career where I'm like, you know what, I should, like it's good money, they're going to pay the mortgage. What if it was um, my our reality show where me and you're and in the Richard house, are, you're in the house. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, I, maybe I'll just like ho- I could host. I could yeah. be like the usher. You could oh, be like so the, I just the like, big brother in the diary room. We come and talk to you. <laughs> oh, actually, that's alright. Yeah, just a voice. I don't mind that. That's do that an remotely. Awesome show. Yeah. I can do that from here. That's just this. <laughs> I've got fuck all else to do. I'm locked down. This is actually, maybe we can do yes. this. Yes. All right. Uh, all right. Let's talk to the boys. Let's see if we can get an interest The boys upstairs. Let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, uh, so interesting question. All right. So I, I love The Amazing Race. Like I quite like that to watch, but I do not think that I could do it. Mm. I think I'd be terrible. Yeah, at it. I would like hate the whole, it. It would be so yeah, stressful. No. Mm-hmm. I don't like being late to things. Like that that would be really – then that whole thing would just be feeling like I am late to everything mm. and I'm no good with directions. Like if they said something was north, I'd be like, oh, well, that's me done. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? That's sit us. down on the ground. That's Maybe that's us. a comedian thing. Like how do people know what north is and stuff? People are just like, oh, yeah, just head north this way. It's like my stepdad trying to give me directions every time I leave his house. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, I just have Google Maps. I don't know. I'm not retaining any of this information. He's like, head north for about 20Ks and you want to go down south on the M1. And I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> what you're saying. I have been with my partner for 20 years and that means that you, you you have time for them to identify quirks in your personality that no one else has paid that much attention to. <laughs> Things that the broader public haven't seen enough for them to shit them, but the person who's been up close to them really has a problem with them. And one of them is my complete incapacity for when I say I'm going to go down and see those people or I'm going to go up and visit ah, those people. It's just never awesome. right. And it yeah. does her head in. Like it makes her mad on a level that if I came home and said, you know what? I actually have changed my mind. Pauline Hansen's got some really cool shit to say. She'd be better with that than me just constantly. She'd be like, well, you didn't go, you didn't go down to see her. She lives in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm guilty of that too. I definitely too. go up to Melbourne a bit. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so um, no amazing race, uh, no big brother. I, I I wish there was like a VR fantasy thing where you could, because I'd like to know how I would go at these yes. games. Yeah. I don't want to go on them. Mm. Like gross embarrassing but like (laughs) but i would love to go on them for the experiment of going like if i was in that house what would i be like yeah Yeah. i don't i think that i can be social but in short doses Mm. like and i have to concentrate on it like the idea that i was there for 24 hours a day like i'd go in with such good intentions of like i'm going to see the best (laughs) in everybody and then i'd be like bored eight hours in and i'd be like i've got five minutes on each of you motherfuckers yeah (laughs) like (laughs) 
Get me in the diary room. <laughs> Here's my list. But I the material, like, man, it would be so good. It would be crazy. I don't know. I would just be like in the kitchen, like making porridge, and I'd be like, "What are you guys gonna do today?" I don't know. I'm just gonna <laughs> hang out. I'm gonna. I would have like serious withdrawals from social media as well. I'd be like, "What do I do except for scroll on my phone?" Because you can't have a phone in there. I'd be like, um, I guess I'll read a book, and then they'd make me do some game, and I would hate it. I so that's so funny. Contrary to you both, I think Big Brother is my one jam. I just, Absolutely. I think I yeah. would love it, even in the bad ways. I think I would love it, and I've said this. I am begging for a reason to to get me off my phone. I'm like, send me to jail at this point because I have literally <laughs> no self um, restraint. So if you force me to. That's why I have to go on reality TV, so I can know what it's like to be off my phone for, like, several months. I don't know. Like, Survivor, I don't think I could do the physical yes. challenges. I no think the way. rest of it, yeah. like, the social game, I, I think I'd be quite interested in yes. that. Yeah, like, playing mind games with people, psyching mm. them yeah. out. I do that I anyway. Mean, I think as a com- <laughs> right. Well, I think as a comedian... You do that. Oh. Like, that's basically what being a comedian is. Wow. Like, you take a thousand strangers or whatever, a number of strangers. Sorry, that was a very privileged <laughs> way that I went into that analogy. A thousand strangers. <laughs> you know, oh, well, you know, girls, you get a, a thousand strangers in a room. And you yeah, us too. To, We've done that as yeah. well. Yeah. But <laughs> the point being, you're taking all these people from different walks of life. And then through the act, like through your act, you're trying to get them to all unify in thinking the same thing in that moment. So you develop all these techniques whereby you can like get everybody to agree to the same thing at the same time. I think that it would be an easy pivot from using that power for the joy of comedy to using that power to the joy of manipulating people. Mass manipulation. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd be good at that, but I'd be no good at the physical challenges. I'd need some buddy. I'd need to recruit some survivor mm. buddy early on who was good at the physical challenges, the kind of like, like a goat style, just manipulate him all the way through. Yeah. Um, what about Celebrity MasterChef? Can't cook well enough to go on a cooking show. Love cooking shows, yeah. but but very. I'm I'm a vegetarian and I have a limited range of things that I mm. cook very well. But I get to about ep three and they'd be like, so. Cacio Pepe again, eh? You really love what that peppery, now, cheesy Will? pasta. <laughs> wow. So what's your pick? What was it? Which is your show? I don't know. That's, I was trying to work through it and see if I could find um, one. That, I will say it because I've actually talked about this before, so I'm happy to admit to this one that mm. they asked me to do Dancing with the Stars. <gasps> of course. And if I... If no one ever got to see it, I'd be fine to do Dancing with the Stars because I'd quite like to learn how to dance. Yes. I feel like that'd be cool. Like I, yeah. I've always wanted to be able to dance. And if like you could just do Dancing with the Stars and then there was some scandal and they could never show the season, <laughs> that would be my ideal scenario. I'd just come out of it. I was like, I can really dance now yeah. and no one knows why. We could make that happen. We could sort of scandal out. So scandal? you can do that. Um, you just uh, have to flash your... Tits or something in every episode, and they, they don't notice until the post. And they're like, "There's a this this extra." No, you get a job as like a grip or something. And you're like, "This grip has her tit out in every single scene that Will is in." And he is just did the best pasta can... doble I've ever seen. <laughs> We called it a passive triplay. It was honestly next level. It's a crime that no one will ever see this, but we have to burn the tapes. 
um, all right. What else? What other reality shows are there? There's like um, there's like the Celebrity Apprentice and stuff, but I don't really know what they do on that nah. show aside from like oh, what about like Shark Tank? You know, what would be fun. Imagine if they had a Shark Tank, but it was for comedians and people came on and pitched bits to you. <laughs> oh, and you were like. All right. That's pretty played out, actually, to mention yeah. Tinder in stand-up now. Mm. I will not be investing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does investing do? You have um, a stake Maybe it's just you, you retweet the Melbourne show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm willing to give you three retweets on Twitter for mm. that bit. But you know what? If you come to me with, like, something more substantial, I might give you five before a show I'm doing at the comedy store, trying new material. So... <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, what else? One more. I just need oh, yeah, one, one more. more. I, I just need to find something that I could actually go on. Oh, what um, about like some sort of, you know what? Maybe I would happily be a judge on something. I think like maybe on some sort of show where there was a judge, I could be like a show. Uh, like, I see that for you. Yeah. Like um, um, Australia's Got Talent or something. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Um, I mean, would it matter that I've never seen the show? Like, do you think? Like, <laughs> no. Would that just, no, it <laughs> wouldn't, would it? Yeah, that's fine. You know talent. Yeah. They can't deny it. I don't know yeah. if I – but I would feel like a fraud being a guest judge on Australia's Got Talent because what's my talent? Like, this, this <laughs> motherfucker's juggling on a, on a unicycle. I can't do anything. <laughs> I literally do the same thing that people do every day for free, talk. That is it. That's my entire fucking skill set. Like, everyone does it. That is so funny. I guess, but you do it in front of other people, so... (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's different. And people want to listen more than most, so that's good. want to listen. My special skill is I do the thing you do, but slightly better. Just a bit. Just a bit. But people, that's what happens. Even, like, I'm not even, like, famous at comedy. And then sometimes you do gigs and then people after you will say, like, oh, I don't know how you do that. I couldn't even imagine. That's my nightmare. And I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a doctor. And I'm like, I couldn't do that. Like, yeah. Right? Like, why are people astounded? I'm, yeah, I'm always mm. like, I mean, I have a journalism degree. And, uh, like, I don't have any comedy qualifications. Like, I just started doing it. I am an unlicensed yeah. contractor. Yeah. I like. I just put. You know. I just went. I, I'm. I'm here now. No training. <laughs> no qualifications. <laughs> Can I do this? What is a qualification to do comedy? Like just having trauma. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. They were like, sir. Yeah. Do you have any trauma? <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, yes, sir, three bags full. <laughs> Didn't need as much of it when I started. That's kind of become a prerequisite of comedy before. Like, you know, back in my day, it was like, are you a straight white guy? Sure, you're in. Yeah, come mm. on up. Yeah. But now it's a little bit different. And I, I, th- I said this the other day, like it was like when I meet a comedian who has like a really healthy relationship with both of their parents and a, like a really good home life, I'm like, what are you doing here? Get get out of get out of my town, you know? What what have you got to say? Yeah. I'm having my a good family feels good and it's like get out of here, you get on out of here. Like, my dad said the wackiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crazy guy. He's so funny. He's here. He drove me to the show. He's here. He's he actually supporter. really supports my career. Yeah, he'll, be, he'll be selling my t-shirts at the door. <laughs> Please buy my daddy's little girl merch. (laughs) 
That would be my merch too, but it's definitely like more of an ironic sexual thing. Mm. Not a real. Uh, okay, so Conchetta's going to do Big Brother. Lauren, what reality yes. show would you do? I'm going to be a judge on Australia's Got Talent. Yeah. Conchetta's going to do Big Brother. What are you going to do? I think I would actually, I would do, because I love cooking. I think maybe mm. even like a My Kitchen Rules or a Bake Off, actually. <gasps> I would do the Bake Off. Oh, sorry. Wow. Okay, I'm changing mine. Bake Off Judge. Yeah. Bake Off Judge. Yeah. That bake would be off, awesome. Yeah. I think it's eat cake. Totally. And I love cake. What Are you a good cake maker? What What's your, what's your best cake? What's your go-to cake? Best cake maker. Um, I mean, I've made some big cakes mm. like for events. I made my mum and my brother's wedding cakes. Um, and I have made a crock Two and separate bush cakes, clearly. In the yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, my mum and brother <laughs> got married to yep. each other. I told you. I'm a comedian for I was a reason. The only, only, per, only person who would legally make the cake. Everyone else refused. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bakeries refused. There was like a current affair story about it, actually. <laughs> whether they have the right. Um, no, I haven't. I try not to do a whole lot of baking right now because then I'll just end up eating the whole thing. Because what do you do? You bake a cake and then you eat a whole cake. <laughs> yeah. I can't Absolutely. Well, I, Lauren, what's the- I bought, uh, sorry, I made my friend a birthday cake the other day and it was a pretty simple cake. Mm. Like uh, um, there's this like one pan cake recipe. It's like this, it's a war, <gasps> it's a war cake. Like it's literally oh, like yeah. what, you know, awesome. back when they didn't have like all the proper supplies to make like a cake and someone's <laughs> yeah. just come up with and like. it's got like. Lemonade Sawd- in it or something? Sawdust. So it's got vinegar, vinegar uh, and oh. oil, no milk or butter or eggs, right? So it's like one of those you couldn't get like fresh rations cakes. But it just <laughs> happened to be like the most delicious chocolate cake. And it's so easy. You just what? You literally just make it in the... In the in the thing you're going to cook it in and serve it in the thing you're going to cook it in, it's got like cream cheese icing. It's fucking Yum. off wow. the hook. But I made it for my friend's birthday, and like she came around and I had like a slice of the cake. And then she took the rest of the cake away because it was her birthday to like share with other friends at some other thing that she was going to do. And mm. so I've just driven down to be in lockdown by myself for a fair while. And on the way down, I bought all the ingredients of the cake because yes. I'm like, I'm going to make myself a cake, <laughs> a, her birthday cake for me now. And it's yeah. not going to have pink icing. I'm going to give it some boy color icing. What a, yeah, what a, blue. <laughs> it's going to have a racing car on it. <laughs> Oh my god, my sister is just um she's like learning to do that baking and stuff. And my mum's complaining about eating sweets and then I want to eat the sweets and then I'm complaining. But luckily we just like give them to my nonni and they'll just eat them all. My nonna has the biggest sweet tooth in the world. So it's like good if you have somewhere to dump it. Um <laughs> otherwise you really are stuck with all the cakes and they will be eaten. Poor old Nonny, cholesterol is through the roof. She's <laughs> giving her cake every day and she's taking it to be polite. She's sick. She's <laughs> She looks awful. No, she's doing really well. She's doing really well. She loves the cake. But that's also like whenever there's an oldest person in the world and they ask them what the secret is, it's always some weird like food yes. combination. It's always like I only ate <laughs> sardines on Thursdays or whatever. Like I, I drink nine litres of whiskey a day and only eat sardines on Thursday. I'm like, I'm 200, please kill me. And, and I feel like this like entirely cake diet might, might go in that direction. Yeah, something actually is happening chemically that will I wish, preserve her. <laughs> I wish that would happen for me, but I reckon if I had like, 
if I did that and I had like two days worth of cake, I'd be dead by 30. Like I wish I had <laughs> the privilege of like, because my dream is to eat pasta every day for the rest of my life and for it to not kill me. But that I have pasta twice in a day. It's like put me in a coffin. My whole body has like become concrete. I'm like, I'm not going to shit for a week. Like, I don't understand how people make it happen. Those people who live to 200 well, and they eat weird Before things. he was the Pete Evans we love, adore and respect today for his excellent scientific <laughs> information that he puts into the community. Pete <laughs> Evans, first kind of people started to go, I don't know if this Pete Evans guy is like 100% like on the like yeah, straight ahead page when he did one of those day on a plates. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. So he did a day on <gasps> yes. a plate and he talked about like activating his almonds and everybody mocked him on the internet. So... Give me your day on a plate. Like if you're <gasps> if you're sitting down to do the this is my day on a plate, <laughs> talk me through your day on a plate. Whoa. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. I'm here right now. And it's gonna be uh, mine's not Pete Evans level, but I'm pretty because I'm also vegetarian. Keep it pretty clean. But breakfast, uh, I did just have Vegemite on sourdough toast with coffee. Now lunch, I'm having this smoothie, we see. Protein, banana, coffee, chia seeds, and uh, cacao powder, uh, and almond milk. And then dinner, I'm gonna, I've got in the slow cooker actually, I've got some uh, pulled jackfruit, kind of like a vegetarian pulled pork alternative. Gonna make some little tacos or burritos with a, a slaw. So that's my day on a plate. That's pretty good. I have a jackfruit tree in my garden. Whoa! And. I, don't, I haven't made the... I've, I've eaten jackfruit, like, prepared for me by other people, but I have not made the transition between picking the jackfruit and knowing how to prepare the jackfruit in a way that would, like, be able to do that still. But, like, that it's is... It's pretty hectic. On like, my I, I, I bought it in a tin, yeah. is how I bought it. Like, to buy the whole fresh one, they're, like, pretty hardcore to cut up or something. So I've never done that. But that's exciting if you grow them. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, it's not like I planned to. I, like, just bought, bought a house <laughs> and had a jackfruit tree. But, like, I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what the fuck you is that? Know. Someone was like, jackfruit. I was like, oh, my God, I've got heaps of them. <laughs> it's an investment now. You could probably sell those 25 bucks a pop, I reckon, if, you know, if the comedy thing doesn't work out. Well, it hasn't really for the last year and a half. So I am looking for other ways to pay the mortgage. Hell, Yeah. And I, on the other hand, have never tried a jackfruit in my life. Don't know okay, what it is. Okay, well, what's your day on a plate, Conchetta? Oh, it couldn't be the antithesis, more the antithesis of Lauren. I'm um, a car carnivore, famously carnivorous with my wog um, roots. But um, what do I have? Okay, if I have breakfast, because sometimes I'll try not really to have breakfast and just, like, have coffee, it'll be Chobani yogurt with honey and like fiber like what do you call them like nuts and blah blah now are you buying that pre-packaged or are you making that yourself are you combining the honey and the nuts or is it just like a jabani that comes with honey and nuts um i they're three separate things separate yogurt separate like what do you call that like muesli muesli and separate (laughs) (laughs) she's making it sound gourmet she's like it's kind of like a um, Tremont mix of um, seeds and nuts and oats roasted in it's muesli muesli. (laughs) I forgot the word it's new it's new to me what do you call call this doll muesli (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. Let's invest. 
it's crunchy. <laughs> what is it, French? So that's that is breakfast. <laughs> you assholes. Then lunch is um the go-to is like we get these nice schnitzels from the like shop closest to us and we put them in the air fryer and then we always have roasted vegetables ready to go that we pop in the air fryer and so it'll be just like a meat and veg vibe or like a salmon and a salad or a I was I was saying this to Lauren does anyone else relate to this of like lunch is when I'm motivated and healthy so lunch is like the healthy meal but then by the time we get to dinner it's like kick your shoes off it's dessert time so I'm getting like whatever we order a lot for dinner so like I don't know of all the things we could have pasta we could have Thai blah 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 it's like dinner is for fun time it's for like getting a kebab or like that kind of thing but um if we're cooking it's a lot of like pasta or the same thing salmon meat veggies I did just try making my first risotto this week with the slow cooker went off and the same with like a tomato sauce so I'm trying to do more cooking um in lockdown but before that, it's like cooking is like, God, I have to think of another thing to eat. You're telling me I have to eat three times a day, every day for the rest of my life. And I have to keep thinking of it like it's mental. I don't it's know how day. it's done. It's crazy. It's, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's constant. It's, uh, but that's like the lockdown mood now is because like, I swear a year ago or something, Alex, my boyfriend would like make fun of me if I was like, what do you want for dinner tomorrow night? He's like, I'll think about that like at five o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> but now... I swear he is to me like, what should we have for dinner on Wednesday? Like That's we awesome. are planning because it's like, what else is there to do? It gets to 5 p.m. and I'm like, can we have dinner yet? Like I'm just sitting around. <laughs> I'm waiting for dinner. Like- so I don't get people who are like, I forgot to have dinner. And I'm like, what were you doing? I think being in isolation has certainly, uh, one of the things I've noticed is I quite like the masks because there's an extra layer of anonymity that comes with the mask. And sometimes yeah. what I've realized is that it, I just explore being different people to who I am when people ask me questions because, like, <gasps> I just feel like I have this secret identity, particularly if I have, I have, like, a cap and glasses and a mask on. Like, the other day I was buying some ingredients, like, you know, and the woman in the shop, she was like, oh, like, it looks like you're cooking something really exciting for dinner. And I wasn't. I was just buying ingredients. I had no plan at all. But, like, I was like, oh, I like this idea of who she thinks I am, this person who's like shopping <laughs> with intent, like he's putting together this awesome meal. And so suddenly I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to like smash her fantasy or the fantasy I now have in my head of this better person that I could be. And she goes, what are you cooking? But of course, because I had already given into this idea that I was this, like I, 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 these words came out of my mask. I said, I just go where the ingredients lead me. <laughs> like to set myself a mystery box challenge and like, kind of follow the music. It's like, no, you don't. This is not you at all. What are you saying? But I was like, yeah, that felt good. Because you could say guy. that with the mask on, but if you said that normally, then there'd be like a Reddit post yeah. being like, Will Anderson is such a fucking wanker. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw him buying chicken breast and coconut yeah. milk and he acted like he was improvising. <laughs> if that was like a Tinder profile, I would swipe so aggressively left at that. I'd be like, God, kill me. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's a bad direction. See, that's how old I am. I don't even know Cooking. which of the Tinder directions is the, like, uh, it, whenever anybody does, like, a joke about Tinder, because I've never got my head around whether swipe right or mm. swipe left is the good one, 
the moment the punchline lands, I'm always just sitting there going, I just don't know how I feel about this now. <laughs> was it like, is that a joke at their expense or are they bragging now? I don't get this. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised I still know I'm famously in a long-term relationship <laughs> with my boyfriend, but I think I picked left because left is like the bad one. Left is like in Italian, left is sinistra, the mm. devil. So mm. it's the devil side. The bad side, always think left is wrong, right is right. Left-handed people are possessed by the devil, and that is a well-known <laughs> fact. <laughs> and that's why it's beaten out of them at schools a lot of the time. And a lot of the gossip we get is exclusively people who are left-handed. Yeah. Because everyone knows, you know, left-handed people are psycho. Generally more sinister in society. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Up to no good. <laughs> My mum's left-handed. She's going to be furious when she listens to this. I was going to say, also, like, it feels like, imagine if you got cancelled for going after left-handed people so aggressively. <laughs> that was it. That was uh, out of all the things. People, yeah, like, there was I've... just a whole bunch of left-handers who listened to this podcast who were just mm. so offended by what has just been said. I'm waiting for that. the day. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the potential of that while saying it, and I was scared on the inside. <laughs> you get all these letters, you won't be able to understand them because their hand has smudged the pen as it's gone across the page. They'll probably paint pictures or something because they're meant to be more creative or whatever. It's like, whatever. <laughs> Uh, it's good to listen to a Will Anderson podcast for once where someone suggested that the left side of things is the bad side, not the good side. So it's balanced. Yeah. Very ABC approach. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, uh, are you missing performing live? Is that something that uh, either of you are uh, particularly missing? I think so, definitely. I think um, as well, like what we've both we've talked about as well, me and Chet, like – even writing without having the performance element is really hard. So, like, I haven't been able to, like, write new jokes because you sit down to write jokes or whatever and then you think, like, well, when am I going to test this? You can't. It's hard to kind of keep one practice up while the other is missing. But I think we're doing the podcast still in lockdown and we've both just thrown ourselves into that. So that's kind of filled the hole a little bit and it's been so good to have as well during this time. Uh, tell, tell me about the podcast. So... Because I obviously only came to it recently, but it's great. I've re- been really enjoying it. People should listen to it. Big Natural Talents, it's called. Um, but how did it start? Like, how did you guys decide that you were going to do a podcast? Like, you know, what was the... Give us the origin Oh, my God, can story. I... Lauren, can yeah. you please say it? I want to hear you say it. I love making the people I love say the story that involves me. I just want to hear how they phrase it. <laughs> because I think I've kind of pitched it to you, right, Lauren? I was like... You dumb slut, we are so funny together. I know that every time we are talking, it's gold, not just for ourselves, for other people. I was like, what else are we doing? Let's just go for it. So you... you well, thank you, Lauren, for my explaining pleasure. that to I me. want you to say it. Um, I want you to That's my version. Lauren, how would you say it? Um, yeah, I guess like similarly, like we've both done podcasts in the past with other people that ended up stopping for one reason or, or another, and they're both still up and you can still find them and listen to them. They're great. Um, and then we were both podless, basically, and we just talked all the time, chatted all the like every day and obviously we have easy chemistry um and Conchetta in her usual dramatic fashion I think you were like I need to ask you something that's crazy and you're gonna freak out 
but I need to say this. And then I just talked to her and she was like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense, I guess. Mm. So, um, and then we just started doing it. And it's one of those things where like, it's really easy to do and it's really fun to do. And I think it's the consequence of that is that it is really fun to listen to as well, because when it comes really naturally and it is, you know, doesn't feel like hard work for us to do, it doesn't feel like hard work to listen to. So that's what has been really fun about it. I think like, because we're both people who like get very stressed and overwhelmed by things. So (laughs) the fact that we have this thing that we can do that is both productive and work and really um, fruitful for like our creativity and things like that. But it's also just like, really fun and having a chat with a friend and getting to catch up that's like the best of both worlds i reckon so here's a question for you that you may or may not have an answer to do you think that working with each other has changed the way that you you know do comedy like has have you learned you know something has it like changed you know your perspective on you know what comedy is i'm just always interested in you know how specific like relationships because I've, I've got a bit of a theory that you know comedy tends to come in waves you know it's very hard for there will be individual performers who pop out of a generation of other people who don't pop but in a in a broader sense I've always my observation has been that yeah groups tend to come through vaguely together and it's because there's been a whole bunch of people who've you know formed friendships and inspired each other and influenced each other and you know you start to work on projects together and you cross over to different projects together and and then when one of them gets a break you know the people that they want to employ and work with tend to be you know the people who have been their peers on the comedy scene or in the podcast scene or the things they've been working on so um yeah has your relationship working together changed you as performers do you think um Um uh, what do you want to take the lead on me, Loz? I'll go first, and then you could go. Okay. I, I think um, I think we're definitely good influences on each other, and we both definitely help each other like write a lot and punch stuff up for each other a lot. Um, but I still don't think. I don't know. I think because we're good friends and we have the podcast and we have a rapport, people might assume that we're quite similar, like in our stand-up styles. But I feel still as stand-ups, we're pretty different like stylistically as comedians. Um, And so I don't think like it's influenced us in that we're both kind of creating a similar, not similar in a bad way, but like similar stylistically like things. But I think we're definitely helping each other just by like having someone else that you think is really funny, but maybe even in a really different way and being able to bounce off someone. But then we're both still taking that and like synthesizing it and it's coming out in our own very more distinct styles, like a stand up. What do you think, Conchetta? Oh, my God. I love this question, Will. Um, uh, I've always loved... Well, like, Lauren is someone who, to me, is so different. Like, we absolutely have similarities in things that make us friends. But definitely what Lauren is saying, stylistically-wise, so different. Like, I'm the one who's like... Everything's out there. I'm crazy and emotional and like, la, 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 la. And then Lauren is just like quick, sharp, dry, like down here. It's like these two different vibes. And I think um, there's two things I love about it. One is that, I, I don't know, like doing comedy sometimes I can like get in my head and definitely get into like comparisons and like freaking out and like what makes me this and that. And I think with Lauren, it's been nice to see the benefit of being different and like, um, knowing your own what makes you unique and that's beautiful and like uh, like I don't know how am I I'm not making any sense I guess kind of like 
relying on your strengths and like seeing how you being different is a strength so like we both get jealous of each other's various strengths like Conchetta is someone who I feel like is like a ready-made personality who can just get on stage and talk to people and be herself and she's such a exciting like vibrant character that people immediately get on board and, and like and like that's what I really like love about Conchetta's comedy but I feel like that really isn't me like I I'm not kind of a really magnanimous likable chatty character on stage but I have you know maybe shorter sharper jokes with more punchlines and that's what Conchetta is inspired by from my comedy totally so we both kind of try to take bits of that but without kind of changing the whole vibe if that I was like if I had to learn one thing from Lauren I was like she taught me what a joke was I was like I don't (laughs) fucking know what a joke is or a punchline it's like I know I'm funny and people are laughing at me but I don't know how the words and Lauren has like brought me up to speed with like teaching me writing and stuff and I love because I love to collaborate is I like that I can like I, I offbeat Lauren. Like when we did a split bill show together, it was one of the most rewarding things for me because people love to see us together on stage, which brought out something in each other. And then when it came to our split stand up, people could see how different we were and both so funny in their own way. So that's what I mean by like, I'm grateful to Lauren that I can see someone who inspires me, but is so different to me. And I have to like work off her and she's also just I think very supportive and open to sharing what she knows about things which I love her for yeah and likewise Conchetta like um even like seeing how Conchetta can kind of trust herself to be on stage and like go with the moment and see like where the bit is taking her and where the crowd is taking her and like being a bit more improvisational like I think that's definitely led to me whether it was even consciously or not, is like kind of trusting that a bit more. Because normally, like, if I don't get a laugh in 30 seconds and I don't have a punchline in 30 seconds, I'm, like, starting to stress. But definitely getting more stage time and, like, doing more gigs with someone who's, like, a bit more relaxed on stage. I've been doing more, like, just chatting to the crowd and not worrying if there's going to be anything funny that comes up because normally, like, there is something that funny, funny that comes up because, like, yeah, if you if you chill out and and focus and do it, then it's going to be funny anyway. Well, that's what you love about each other. What do you hate? No, (laughs) (laughs) say one thing that you hate about the other person's act. um, How did you uh, both start comedy? Give me your little uh, origin story of how you found your way into doing comedy. Um, Well, I come from a shamefully an improv background um, Why is for stand-up that, yeah, comedians. I mean, I know. Oh, is stand-up still, comedians hate improv. Is that still yeah. the case? Oh, oh, it's just like they're Feels the punching like bags. Feels like an old-fashioned cliche yeah. to me. I think it's still true a bit, Lauren, but like I think it's like... But there are definitely improvisers who are strong in their own way. Like there's like Tom Walker and whatever. So it's like not real, but I like love to play the victim. So I'm like, oh no, I'm an improviser. <laughs> but people, they're, they're going to be the punching bag forever. It is so like earnest and and there's so many like tropes and stereotypes. But I was studying and um, I remember like, you know, I was a little wog girl was meant to just do um, like economics or law one of those things and then my whole you know world change fell apart blah 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 and I was like wow what am I going to do I started studying um like a business arts course I hated it but then there was a funny guy in my class who was like you should come do theater sports so I went and did theater sports at Sydney Uni 
started to like perform that way met more people got into improv classes and then did uni reviews and people doing uni reviews were doing stand-up and I remember being so scared of stand-up for so long I was like being funny alone on stage you've got to be kidding me and um I also hosted trivia at the Newtown Hotel which had um Yeah, Cactus Juice was an open mic that my current boyfriend used to host, Go Off, and I was downstairs hosting the trivia and I would watch all the comics like go up and I just felt this like thing inside me being like, I literally want to vomit thinking about trying this, but I think I have to. And then I tried it and then I did Raw and then from there I just kept gigging and that's it. Okay, good origin story. I like it. Lauren, what's yours? Yeah, um, I guess different so i i'm not from theater sports or anything i um i have like a background more in like theater and performance like i did my uni degree and honors in like performance studies and things like that and kind of fine arts background performance art very um you know arty stuff but i i kind of found i was doing my thesis and all this stuff and i in my performances i always just wanted to be funny and i've always felt it's always it's like this theory as well I have about like female comedians and male comedians is like I didn't start comedy until which is not old but I was like 22 or something which when I I know a lot of other comics who started when they were way younger like 17 18 even um and like I've just always been like you know the funny person in the group and I was always like "I, I think I'm pretty funny like that was like the one thing that I thought that I was pretty good at and then, like, you know, after a, a whole uni degree and honours and this and that, then I was like, maybe I should do comedy. Um, because my theory is, I reckon, for a woman to go into comedy, she's, like, the funniest person she's ever met in the world. And she's like, this is it. But for a guy to do comedy, it's, like, pretty much any guy I meet is like, yeah, I could do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I think I'm pretty funny. And then I just basically just started doing open mics um, and things like that. And... Um, I was thankful that, like, the first time I ever did an open mic, it went pretty well. I think if it went really badly, I might not have gone back. Um, And then I just kind of kept doing it. And I was really, like, lucky. I got booked for things pretty early. um, And that kind of kept me kept me around and kept me going. Um, And then, yeah, I did raw comedy and things like that. And I got to, like, state finals. um, But I never progressed to national finals. Um, Yeah, just kind of started going and never stopped, I guess. But... I think what was really good like um, around then was currently in Sydney especially there's like a whole new wave of like a lot of female comics and there's all these new rooms that are female only which is really awesome and it's kind of created a whole new group of comedians in in the city which is great. When I started even though it was in still very recent history say five or six years ago there still was a lot of the time where I was the only girl at the gig and things like that. Um, and there were no all-female gigs. And so I think I genuinely did get booked early because people needed a girl on a lineup. But um, it was for the best because it encouraged me to stick around and get better. And now look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a podcast. <laughs> uh, so I am interested in what your observation, though, about uh, women versus men and the barrier of entry being at completely different levels because – when I used to do, a very long time ago, when you were both baby people, but I used to do a radio show on Triple J with a guy called Adam Spencer. And we had every survey that would come out when they do the sort of breakdowns of the audience. Demographically, often it would be even we would have more female listeners to our show than we would have male listeners. But the minute that we went to tell us a funny story about something, give us a call, you would get nine guys call. And you, <laughs> if you're lucky, one woman wow. call. And so we were always trying to put more female voices to air. But our problem was that we just couldn't get 
women to ring the show. And yeah. it was like Adam used to describe it. He said, basically what would happen is a woman will climb Mount Everest and she'll be like, well, people have climbed Mount Everest before. It's not the biggest deal in the entire world. <laughs> and a guy will fart in an elevator and be like, everybody <laughs> needs to hear about this. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I think... Yeah, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to be like, no, all the women are too busy cooking. Yeah. That's why they couldn't get to the phone. They were in the kitchen. <laughs> I know, because I feel like there's kind of a bit of a misconception of like where like, I, I think there is a problem like on two levels with not being enough women in, in like the comedy sphere, which like every day it's getting better as well, like that there are more and more women in comedy and that's so great. And there's also a lot of concerted efforts by room runners and things like that to book more women, which is great. Um, there is genuinely a smaller pool of women who want to get up and do stand up comedy. Like part of that, I think, is that mental block of being like, of course, I'm not good enough to do this. And that's just because of like how women are socialized in the world to be told like no like you're not meant to be funny but also the fact that like to do comedy like you've got to be around a lot of foul men in bars at nighttime by yourself like it doesn't feel like a nice place to be really if you're a woman by yourself and you're already a little bit nervous um that's as well like all of the advice people are always like you need to hang out and make friends with people if that's how you want to get on shows you got to hang out all the time i never hung out like because why would I, like a 22-year-old girl, be having drinks with some 40-year-old man in a pub? <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. So I think you don't need to hang. Just be funny. But it's still turning up is hard, I think, yeah. if you're a, a you girl. You do not need to hang. That, that is, don't. It's one of the great, great myths. And along with mm. the other one that I would like to put to bed is that you have to gig all the time. And they are both created by the same people, which is a certain genre of people who have decided that the way they do it is the way that everybody should do it. And that wow. yeah, there is a yeah, inbuilt social infrastructure of, yeah, I book the, my mates who hang with me after the gigs and these sort of things. And also the people who say, you've got to gig, you know, five times a night and do all mm. these sort of things. There is no right or wrong way to do it. it is, I go months or like between gigs. It, there, it, it sometimes makes you a better comedian to take some time awesome. away from it and get back to it and have a think about it. How can you think about what you're doing when you're just doing it all the time? Sometimes you need some space from it to rediscover the joy in it. And also anytime some young comedian contacts me and says, I'm finding the hardest thing is like getting into the social groups and like hanging afterwards. I'm like, good. You don't want to <laughs> yeah. like become... Like most of the people who are there are the people that you're going to pr progress beyond. If you want to yeah. always stay on the scene, if that is your only ambition in comedy is to just always stay on the scene and go no further, then yes, maybe those relationships are. But the scene is just a stepping stone to somewhere else, hopefully, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also like it's it's a weird culture to be around like – if your job requires you to be in a bar every night, then maybe you have to drink every night and you feel as though you have to drink every night. And like, I'm someone who like, like I have like my family issues with alcohol. Like I don't like being around alcohol. I drink a little bit and socially definitely, but I would never be someone who drinks every night or wants to. And I don't think it's good for you. And like, you just don't have to do that. So if you're not comfortable doing that, like don't go to the gig, you're in a pub, get a glass of water. Like, who cares what people say if you're funny? Like, that's what matters. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm it, so without giving too much away, because uh, we all had to talk about this beforehand, but um, I've been working on a new TV project that people will know about by the time they're hearing this podcast. And uh, 
as part of the process of workshop and, and casting it, you know, we've been bringing in a lot of, one of our, you know, aspirations was to hopefully put some people on TV that, you know, people haven't seen before. But you always go into something like that, you know, with a bit of a hunch of going, I bet there's a whole bunch of people out there that aren't household names, but, you know, are really good at what they do and are looking for an opportunity. It, the greatest thing about the experience for me so far has been, I, you know, this, th- these people who work on this show who aren't tuned into the comedy community at all. Like every week they just like walk away from these workshops just going, who the fuck are these people? Like they're all hilarious. They're all different. Like they don't, you know, they're not all, you know, white straight men. They're not all, you know, like they're people from different experiences of life. And even when maybe they look similar or they're similar ages, they've got very different perspectives and performance styles. And there is a broadness to the influences of the Australian comedy scene that is, I mean, as someone who's been in this industry for 25 years, it's exciting. Like it is super exciting that this thing that when I joined it was still like running away to join the circus. You know, we were five years into the Melbourne Comedy Festival. There was no sort of expectation that comedy could be something you do as a career. And now to see what it has become, it is like, it makes me feel old. Like, you know, I really do like look at it sometimes and just go, fucking hell, when did, when did this happen? Like, what happened? But it's also super exciting, I think. I have like literal tears in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> I have nothing to say right, but now, just lots now, of feelings. Whatever you hate about each other. No. <laughs> I'm ready. No. <laughs> that's awesome um what are the plans what's next tell me you know let's assume that it might you know by the end of the year we're all out of lockdown and you can be you know back doing things what 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 next for the two of you oh check (laughs) (laughs) um well I mean, the dream of the podcast is to keep the audience growing, which, by the way, well, you've helped a lot. So we are very grateful. It's meant a lot. Um, but to grow the, the, the pod audience more and more. Um, and we've always talked about, like, the dream with doing a podcast is doing live shows. And we were saying how exciting it is that, like, we're podcasters, but we're also stand-up. So we can, like, do shows that have both or incorporates that and like try new and so I think the dream would be one day to do live shows like that and stand up together and get our names out there more together I mean we all also started this because we were like at the time like trialing radio like testing vibes like and to Mm. me that's still a dream that I have for the future of like you go, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, we're both still very open to very high-paid commercial radio roles. And we have, <laughs> we have a name for the duo. It's called um, Ranger and the Meatball. Ranger uh, and the Meatball. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to say it like that. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't work. They don't hear it. Um, and <laughs> uh, I, that's all I can think of so far. What about you, Loz? Um, yeah, I guess like, yeah, growing the podcast audience, being able to like reach more people and, and definitely, um, having live shows because yeah, it's great to know that podcasting is kind of like this great medium that we've found, but really where we think we both, um, 
belong or, or shine the most is in like the live stage and in, in the live form. So it would be awesome to be able to have live shows. And as well, like I feel like so many of our listeners are people and girls as well as, as dudes. It's not an all-female listenership at all um, that maybe don't know that much about the stand-up comedy scene or who wouldn't necessarily go see stand-up comedy shows. Um, but maybe now they would come see a live show and then maybe as a knock-on effect go see us if we did you know future shows at Melbourne Comedy Festival or Sydney Comedy Festival and um, just reaching more people who maybe aren't comedy savvy or just want to have a good time and that's always exciting. I love that that's a really great perspective and it's also the perspective the scene should always have and not to harp on this point but like I now that I'm in old man comedy mode, I'm gonna, you know, I like to say these things out loud. Please, um, we both desperately need a father figure. Normally, so you're really I mostly just mutter them to myself while I'm doing the gardening. You know, I'm like have just all these text me next time. Real seriously. firm opinions about things that I just like mutter to myself. But you know, that's why I have a podcast so that I can mutter them to other people. But it's why that idea of that there's only one way to do things is so wrong because. Like the idea that you have to hang or you have to do it this particular way, it's just, that's a way to do it. That's nothing wrong with that way either. But like Chris Rock, when Dane Cook first came along, Dane Cook was getting a lot of um, blowback, you know, for a whole bunch of reasons. But one of the reasons was that the majority of his audience were teenage girls. And that was seen by the comedy scene as being like, you know, delegitimizing what it was that Dane was doing because his audience were mostly 16-year-old girls. And Chris Rock at the time, in a very counter to what the prevailing mood was, from comedians was like what are you talking about like these are all girls who up until this point were not interested in stand-up comedy and if dane cook gets them interested in stand-up comedy they might go hey i like this stand-up comedy thing i might go and see what other stand-up comedy there is and they might end up becoming a chris rock fan as well like i think that the more that we can celebrate bringing people to comedy like to mm. to reassure mm. them that it that thing that stopped them from coming to live comedy because they thought it was one particular thing well, wow. that one particular thing still exists and it's still yeah. there for the people who like that one particular thing. But there are a whole bunch of other things now that just might be, you know, more to your taste. Yeah, absolutely that. Like, because even like how there's this idea prevailing that stand-up comedy is like, you know, old white guy in a suit telling jokes about his wife. There's also this other prevailing thing about like, oh, female comedians they're just going to talk about their period and like be gross or something. And like, yes, maybe we do sometimes. And yes, maybe we are gross. <laughs> okay, guilty. Okay, guilty. <laughs> but people do come and they and they have a laugh. Like that's, it's always, yeah, finding people who don't necessarily watch it and come see it. And like they, they yeah, I'm not in on like saying this very well, but... <laughs> No, we no. Know I, mean. <laughs> I had some I had some I don't even know how they got there but I had like some funny people in my Melbourne audience last year I had my mum's friend's son come because my mum is just like moving tickets for me left right and center <laughs> and it was just like these two like two or three like 19 or 20 year old boys like wearing like nice shirts and I was like okay this is like <laughs> interesting that you guys are at my show but hello welcome and they like had a great time um and that's what's really exciting to me that I can have like some 20 year old boy who's never gone to go see a comedy show um and then also like some 40 year old man and his wife also enjoy the same show and like that's what people need to remember is when they go out and support the arts you know 
It's going to be good. (laughs) Thank you, Guy Sebastian. (laughs) That message brought to you on behalf of the Australian government, support the arts. (laughs) Support the arts for once. Can we for once literally just like support the arts for a second? Come on, guys. Can we just support the arts, please? Um, all right, thank you so much for doing the show today. Uh, Big Natural Talents is the name of the podcast, people. This is my recommendation. This is why that we had uh, uh, the, uh, Lauren and Conchetta on the show today. So um, please uh, start listening to their show and um, like and subscribe and do all the things that you're meant to do. Rate and review. You know, give five stars. <laughs> no, don't be that person. You know, <laughs> recommend it to your friends who might like it. Be a nice person. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having us, Will. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.